Yorana Tato and Aloha Kako. You are listening to Native Stories. Native Stories exist to share the voices of those connected to the land. Native Stories' vision is creating a resource for building a connection to place, and we aim to activate indigenous perspectives. Over here with Otoi Oa, no waia oahu maiao, e noho au i afreitu morea. My name is Fihia Wheeler. I am from Waia, Oahu, and I am now residing in Afareitu Moorea Te Aumohi. My guest today is Matahi Tutabe, who is a journalist and also a cultural practitioner on Fafa'ite, which is the Tahitian Voyaging Society and has done canoe work and historical cultural work here in Tahiti and French Polynesia and in Oceania in general. And so we're so excited to have him on our show today, Yorana Matahi. Hey, Yorana Matahi. Yorana. Would you like to do um, a little intro background of yourself for our listeners and also maybe in Tahitian because I'm sure people would like that. <laughs> hey. Hey, Yorana Matahi. Yorana Matahi. Yorana Matahi. Yorana Matahi. Yorana Matahi. Yorana uh, so yeah, I grew up, I was just saying that uh, um, I was born here in Papete, uh, where I live right now, and uh, but I, I, I grew up in Moria in Papetoi. Uh, which was uh, really exciting because I got really, um, I, I guess, living there uh, in Moria back in the days uh, where everybody uh, still spoke Tahitian uh, and, and still do uh, to some extent. That 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 brought uh, me closer to who I am today, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Well, why don't we start with? I mean, I love Moria, but. And that's where I live also. But I know you do work in Papeno and with a cultural group called Haududu. And can you tell us anything about um, Haududu and Papeno and the history of that place? Yeah, so like I said, I was born here, grew up in Moria with my family from my mom's side. He's from Papeno, Havau, Haududu. Uh, all those names um, were the ancient names of the, that valley. Uh, and when I was a teenager, my uncle, Uncle Hefara, used to take me there with my cousins, um, you know, once, uh, maybe once a year or twice a year, because the, the, the way there wasn't like, like it is today. The, the road wasn't um, as good as it is. And so it would take us uh, at least half a day, maybe a day to get there. Uh, and all I remembered of the valley was, uh, uh, it was still lush and, and luxurious, uh, unknown, mysterious to us. And I guess in the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, that's when uh, things started to change. But I was not really involved in um in the community then uh, I was just a kid playing playing around uh, when I got really I started to get a little bit involved I guess uh, it was after my studies in Aotearoa and then in Hawaii I came back actually in Hawaii my uncle Uncle Hifara asked me questions and asked me to do some research about uh, Matari'i and the cycles and um, see how the Hawaiians you know perceive it and that, 
what kinds of uh, rituals maybe. So we were discussing through emails and that's kind of how it started and how to do, uh, how to do association started to celebrate Matari around that time as well in 99, 2000. So pretty much that's how it all started. Yeah. And, um, it became after 20 years an event that's celebrated throughout the island, but also the other islands. Although maybe not everybody understand the whole thing, but it's a date. It became something to, to look forward to it. And, and to me, it's really great. So like 20 years is, is really short of a time. And um, things are evolving pretty good in a way that in a sense that it's not just a date to celebrate or something um, to put on a calendar. It's also revived the sense of observing the environment, look for those changes and kind of teaching people relearning. Um, the natural cycles of our islands, because, um, like, like you know, uh, colonization imposed the Gregorian calendar throughout the world, and uh, it's it really just that aspect of of changing people's calendars, habits, uh, disconnected everyone from their natural environment, from that spiritual realm that also. Uh, also work with the environment and, and our perception of the environment. So it's, it's, it's a big change. And um, looking at how you guys do it in Hawaii, uh, how the Maori celebrate uh, Matariki as well, uh, it's really inspiring. And I think we're finally coming um, to a sense that now that, you know, this, this is what make us, makes us uh, who we are, is our uh, connection to the land, to the ocean, and the natural cycles. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that it was only a ceremony that started about 20 years ago. I mean, of course, it was historically a ceremony and observation throughout the year and during November, but so you guys, how to do the cultural group in Papeno started this ceremony just in in Papeno at that time before it grew. Uh, well, one of my first um, first time I attended a ceremony was in uh, Rautirare uh, at the uh, estuary of Papeno, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's still down there, and, and uh, but it was. It was fun because it was uh, you know November December is usually you don't have much of a of a cultural gathering or celebration really December is Christmas uh, October end of October you know it's All Saints uh, the Turamara but the Heva and mm-hmm. everything that had to do with our culture uh, the Tuarumahi the sports mm-hmm. um, the dance. Vayete back in the, t- the days and then Tuata today. Uh, everything happened around, you know, the Bastille Day in July. And seeing that shift throughout the years, now you have the Hurata Pairu in November, you have Matarinia, you have celebrations, uh, and, and some people also organize um, con- contests, uh, traditional sports mm-hmm. contests around that time of the year. It's, um, it's great to see that shift. And so how do we started it? Um, but the, you said ceremony, but really it wasn't much of a ceremony because we did, didn't 
do ceremonies. Um, like we, we, you know, we don't still don't know everything about how how everything was done back in the days. So how to do had to kind of reinvent um, like the Ava ceremony, for example. Some of the Tongans came to to exchange. They saw how the uh, Wallis and Futunan people did it uh, or are doing it. Uh, the Hawaiians were really influential as well. And they created or recreated a Ava ceremony around um, what we know today and what we know from back back in the days. And it's same thing with Matari, Matarinia, and then Matarinaro as well. So we all learning back again. It's, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a lifetime process. It would probably take a few generations to actually have it solidly, oh. um, like firmly in the ground. So we don't go back to um, like a ceremony. Just you know, we gotta do something because it's on the calendar. So we do it, but really do it with uh, being conscious. About yeah, it. yeah, and uh, yeah, and so. It leads to today because of COVID. It's really interesting what's happening today because we are not allowed to organize big events where you have groups coming and dance and celebrate mm-hmm. uh, what what you know what we've been do, doing for the past ten years. Maybe we usually have groups, singing group coming, orititi, uh, and it's a celebration. Uh, but this year it's, it will be different. Um, Haruru will celebrate it, but but with a small group only of, of the leaders and, and maybe a few practitioners, but nothing nothing um, big. So it's 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 pretty cool in a way that we're asked to celebrate something, but from within and really look look at it as a, a personal connection to your aina instead of having a big party, big celebration where everybody everybody goes to because it's organized and so you have to organize it within your ohana or your group of people, um, your land where you're from, for example. Yeah, it's it's got a different dynamic, but I think it's pretty interesting to see that. Yeah, of course. And um, actually, I just thought of this. Could you explain what the matriinia is for people who maybe don't uh, have a background in Tahitian star knowledge? <laughs> okay. Um, from what what I learned about Matari, uh, which is which is pretty fun because Matari, uh, the Pleiades are uh, really a small cluster of stars when you look at it, uh, and uh, but they they are used as a um, marker of time, uh, and not just in Polynesia or the Pacific. It was used um, uh, from what I, I read. Back in the days in India, uh, in uh, by the um, what you call that uh, the people in uh, are currently Iraq and uh, in Greece, in, um, in even by the Celtic people. So you you you, you have a, a cluster of stars that we use as a time marker. Uh, we don't know exactly why, but we do it today and Matari for us is a period of time uh, it's it's happening right now is when Matari is in the east while the sun sets 
And so Ni'a in this uh, Ni'a uh, means up, but it also means uh, east. Uh, and Raro means down, but it could also mean, depending on the context, uh, west. And um, so the way we do it in Tahiti, anyways, and then and then it's not it does not represent all the islands of French Polynesia because I'll, I'll, I'll get to it a little bit later. But in Tahiti and the Rarumatai Islands, Matari'i um, in November, uh, Matari'i was a marker of, of uh, coming into the abundance season. Uh, that's when you have a few flowers bloom, um, like the pua. Pua is, is a sign that Matari'i is coming. Um, you also have um, you know, more rain, of course. Uh, we're getting into our rainy season. Um, and, and a few other signs in, 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 uh, in the mountains, but also in the ocean. That's when the ata starting to come back. The ata, the, the little fish. Uh, so from what we understand in September... What we call Vaire uh, Amare. Vaire Amare precedes Matarinia period. And in that time is when you prepare yourself, prepare your um, body, your spirits, your house, the Mare, uh, your, uh, your family to what's coming, that change. And so Vaire Amare is also the time, uh, it's linked to a time when the corals, uh, uh, I'm not too sure about the words now, or the technical words, but the corals, um, what do you call, um, the, 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 the corals, um, I got the French word in my head, but. Bloom? Yeah, they bloom. Bloom? Is it when they yeah. propagate or something like that? Exactly, yeah. And it's also start, the start of the food chain, because it's the same time when the fish do the same thing. Uh, I think it's around the full moon, uh, in September. And so it's you start uh, you have a cycle that starts in the water as well, and um, those fishes go out out sea to um, to get bigger, and then they come back in the lagoons around November, December, January, and that's when you have uh, what we call the ata, the little the little offsprings, and then it starts a chain reaction where you have uh, bigger fish coming in into the lagoons. Um, the pelagic fishes uh, like the ature mm-hmm. and also the, the the bigger ones. So you you have uh, something that starts in the water up in the valleys as well, and that uh, you start to see only around the summer of the year. But uh, the energy that was put into that new life, uh, usually you you wouldn't see it. But um, it's it's not because you don't see it that it's it's not there, of course, and so. It's really cool to see that uh, connect those connections between the species, between life in the water, in the ocean, and uh, in the valleys, and uh, how they were, how the ancestors were really. That's how it tell, tells us. That's what tells us that ancestors knew those cycles, and they named them. Uh, they named their month, the name of the month, about uh, we, you know, uh, according to some of those cycles. Uh, and so Matarinia is not is not just a, 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 like I said another date another event in the calendar, but it's also um, a philosophy. Uh, it, it's a call to to get back to our traditional uh, and natural cycles 
And it's really important to just look, look at it, not just look at a calendar where you have events or uh, saints names and celebrate those things because they're, they're maybe good for some people, some communities. Um, but for us, we have to, to tap into those, that knowledge and come back to a more, um, to our senses, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. Thanks for, so much for breaking that down about, um, what fish are actually coming into season and how actually the, the whole life of Tahiti and the, yeah. The Pacific changes. At so because you, and, and because you have a Nika, you also have a Raro. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one doesn't come without the other. And Matari Raro was celebrated um, after. Like Matari Inia became a thing. Matari became a thing. And then everybody thought, okay, November, boom, New Year. Uh, the, the first uh, moon after Matarinia usually is the first moon of the calendar. So people got into that groove where, okay, Tahitians, <laughs> now we also have our own calendar. We don't have to just follow. But um, it's really, I think Matarinia is more important in a sense that it also uh, marks the time, another changing of, you know, of, of, of time in uh, throughout the year. Um, and that being, you know, in May for the high islands of Tahiti and, um, um, I'm talking about what I'm sure of. I'm, I'm not implying that everybody does the same thing. But in May, that's when we start to to go back into Matari Raro. And Matari Raro is when Matari sets uh, in the West while the sun sets as well. And what, that, what it means is it marks the period of time when we go back to a more a drier season uh, where the fruits our uh, fruits are hanging anyways are not as abundant uh, and so all of that even um, even I, our mindset changed at that time so the teaching of Matari Raro basically is you have to now think about leaving the earth to, to rest basically don't take as much as as, um, as you should and uh, it's a time also of teaching and learning uh, back in the days, that's when they would have Bari Aid Aupu again, going back again, uh, where you would sail because the wind would be more stable. And this is the time of the year when you're off um, cyclone season, basically. So the long voyages, the migrations would happen around that period of time as well. Uh, and that, that just teaches us that uh, your actions or activities would be planned uh, not because you want to do something, but because it's in uh, harmony with nature no. and the cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's pretty cool. The, the ancestors had it down, and that, that's awesome. Now, I'm, this is not um, something that's general. So, Matariniya, Matariraro cycles, the way we do it here in Tahiti, um, like it's not something that the Tuamutu would do. And in fact, we had interesting discussions with, with Tuamutu people saying that for the, some of them came to us like, well, we, our time of abundance is now not so much in, in November, but it's in May. And it's because uh, that's the period of time when the, the Honu come back to, um, to lay their eggs. And back in the days, that's when they would harvest uh, Honu. Um, and, and so, and the Maori people, their big celebration happened around that time too because it's the, the kumara harvest. So Matari is, is a cool cycle, but it's not 
and that's something I take back, take take with me. Um, there's no standards. You don't have like something set in stone, and then and then you take it some somewhere else and you say this is how we do it back in my island. So that's how you guys should do it as well. No, they would actually look at the, the environment of that island. You know, when they moved the, the cycles, and they would you know according to to what they had, the resources, the, the change of, of wind, uh, the rain, raining season or whatever, you know, they would change their own um, perception of, of, of their time. So I think that's a big teaching uh, that we have today. We don't, we're not trying to impose Matarinia, how we do it today here in Papino or Tahiti. We're not trying to impose it to the Pongutu people because that would not make sense to them at all. So we have to be really careful with that. I know a, a, few, a few years ago, the government at that time asked if we could, you know, have a celebration of Matarina everywhere in every schools in you know, each island will have you know, something similar. But that's that would go against that would go against the philosophy because um, you know islands in Tuamotu, especially Tuamotu, and maybe the Mar- Marquis Island too. I'm not sure we have some you know different ways of marking their time. So. Oh, that's so great! Yeah, that well, that they're open to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, in the Tuamotus, which is for our listeners, if they don't know, it's another archipelago in French Polynesia because it's a large territory. So, um, and they're only atoll uh, islands, and so they have a different environment, and they're of course placed differently within the world, but they are a Pacific culture. But do they call? Um, do they call their season of change the Matari'i? Do they follow the Pleiades or is it um, a different season altogether? I'm not sure, but I'm mm. pretty, yeah, I would I would say yes. We have Matariki, and actually the Tuamotu Islands, uh, the, the Pamutu people held on, I think, more star names than we did. So, oh. yeah. I'm, so I'm pretty sure, yeah, babe certainly use a lot of um, what's in the sky to mark the time and their um, their seasons. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's so interesting. Um, and actually on Native Stories, earlier this year or last year, we had Dr. Rongi Matamua from hmm. uh, Aotearoa, yep. the Maori astronomer. Yeah. And his interview on here was great. Well, he's just, you know, he knows what's going on with the stars in his land, so it's really interesting. <laughs> Why don't we move into a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in these cultural practices, especially like Ba Faite and traveling with uh, Ba? Um, well, it's it's um, the long story, but to make it short, uh, I'm talking about Matari because Matari, yeah, definitely. Well, I was lucky to be able to. Um, to attend UH Hilo for t- for a couple of years in '99 and um, year 2000, uh, and uh, I was staying with Auntie Noenoe Wong Wilson at that time, and she introduced me to um, a bunch of people, really Akamai people, and um, that that got me into another part of what we call culture, the cultural realm as we know it today. Uh, I, I got to meet uh, scientists, native scientists, 
uh, on Va'a, on uh, on Kalolo'i. Um, you know, they they still practice today. Uh, some, unfortunately, are are gone today. But anyways, uh, she also introduced me to the Va'a people of Makali'i. In, uh, I, I did a few crew trainings with them, and what struck me wasn't so much the the knowledge that they um, that they could gather from the sisters from Papa Mao. That 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 in itself was was immense because I couldn't fathom. Anyways, at that time, I couldn't fathom any uh, much. I. I I couldn't understand why the stars were important, but what struck me most, the most, was to see teenagers, um, like in their, you know, I don't know, one of them was like maybe thirteen year old, fourteen, maybe two, and he was talking to adults and, and some of us that, that were in college already, with uh, such confidence. He would talk about us, you know, he would talk to us about stars. Uh, about safety, and I remember Uncle Onohi Paishan uh, was there too. But he let you know the uh, the kid talk to us, and I realized then that uh, the Hawaiian people really were successful in involving their teenagers, their kids, that next generation into something greater than than themselves. And um, because here in Tahiti, it's always uh, the kupuna who speak. It's always, and you have a sense that it's, uh, these guys are like gods and they know so much, but uh, it's not until they pass that you're allowed to speak or to, yeah, to kind of uh, make a, a spot for yourself. But there, then it was really different, and I saw that the bar was um, was everything. Actually, the bar is a catalyst to mm. so many things. So many, it's so much more than just going out of sea. Anyway, that that kind of a, was a window, an eye opener for me back in the days. So I came back after that in 2004, 2003, maybe. And um, in 2008, we had the opportunity to join a group, uh, Pacific Voyagers. It, it wasn't called that like that then, but we had the opportunity to to do something. And uh, in 2008, that's when things started to move fast. Because how do we always had uh, the dream to take? Um, their teachings from the valley all the way to the ocean to to make it a full full circle. So um, I, I turned myself to them, and then uh, we we talk stories. We, we had a few meetings up there in the valley, and um, and I, Haruru was really implemental into giving the backbone, the cultural backbone, to Fafaite when it was time for us to set up something like uh, uh, the organization started uh, we founded Fapai Titi Mahi in 2009 in March 2009 mm. in October 2009 Fapai was delivered to us here in Papete and um, that was the start of the a great adventure that it's, it's still going on today you know, although I'm not involved with Fapai as much I uh, Always be Fafaiti will always be, always be my uh, my va'a. and Fafaiti uh, means reconciliation. Fafaiti Tielma he means to reconciliate um, ourselves with our tupuna 
ourselves with our history, our language, um, and and so that name in itself embodies all the the philosophy and the, the objective of our uh, voyaging society. So yeah. Yeah, nice. So, well, actually, me, my personally living here in Tahiti, I noticed that people do have a pretty strong relationship with uh, the ocean, maybe Va'a or through um, mm. even modern sailing. I mean, you come into contact with people that are on the ocean all the time. Yeah. But uh, this doesn't necessarily connect it to ancestral knowledge. And so I think that Fafaite offers something that, you know, people haven't thought about in a really long time. So that's really great. That's awesome, yeah. Uh, but people oftentimes, people would do things kind of in a, it's automatic for them. And we don't see it. We don't talk about the ancestor when they do things because it's natural. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, some of them, a lot of people in Moria especially still do things, maybe not the way the ancestors used to do it, like four generations ago. They wouldn't practice the same things, but you still have a lot of knowledge um, going through. And they just don't use – see, people talk about it as their lifestyle. They don't, they don't tag it as cultural. Because, and it's funny because in Tahiti we use the, the, the word – culture in uh in a sense that it's kind of a kind of weird it's like a yeah, marketing yeah. branding yeah. and people don't use culture or, or the word culture every day because we, for them it's just uh, life it's just life and i think it's really important to also notice that and put value in those little things that makes you know life the way it is today here but be, a lot of people don't, are not lucky enough to travel and see how it's done elsewhere to actually say, hey, we do it differently. And this is, well, I guess this is part of my identity then. This is part of my culture. We just do it because they, that's how they, they learn. Right. And, and so today I'm looking at, at the, the knowledge um, practices that, that may seem normal or, you know, uh, not really significant as as a treasure, and we we have today our generation because we have the means to. We have cameras, microphones, computers. We have the means to actually capture that and and put it on the internet, put it put it somewhere where it will be uh, seen, where it will have value, and where it could be stored for the next two, three, four generations ahead of us. Um, and and it's it's really important that we do that today. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think that people are doing things as they've grown up to do it, like their parents do it, so they yeah. do it. Like they make coconut milk because they've grown up in a family that always made coconut milk. But um, the thing, but putting importance mm-hmm. on that is is important because we're a French territory. And so none of those value, none of those, that knowledge is valued within the institutional system. So yep. putting value on that to say like, there's, um, it's good for the environment. It's good for your identity. It's good to 
to pass that on to your children. Like all of those things need to be reinforced because mm-hmm. within the greater institutions of politics and school and stuff, none of that is reinforced. And so I think that we're on the same page, you know, that it needs to be <laughs> valued because it's very valuable and yeah. because there's so much that we get out of it and that yeah. anyone who lives here gets out of it, you know, whether you're Tahitian, whether you're French, whether you're Chinese. Exactly, yeah. Do you want to say a little bit more about uh, the media that you're doing then, the Arere Media? So, yeah, I'm recently I've, uh, moving into uh, a freelance uh, job. I decided to to launch myself uh, and, and move from my uh, job as a journalist or as a reporter at 10 TV, um, where I learned a lot and uh, I could never thank them enough. But today it's time. I, I feel like it's time for me to move on and do what I value the most, and what, and one of them being to capture stories in, within my family. Recently, one of my uncles uh, passed away, and uh, and I, I, I realized that I did not take the time, the proper time, to interview him enough because he was, uh, uh, yeah, he was someone. He had a wealth of knowledge. Uh, on stars, on Oredo, on, on so much because he took the time when he was younger to write those down and to, to speak with his dad and to gather those information. He was a scholar. Huh? And I think that, uh, here in Tahiti, sometimes we value people only after their, their, they pass. Uh, so you, and you see stories on, on TV, on the internet and, oh, this guy was great because he did that. And while he was alive, you know, sometimes nobody would actually pay attention to, um, I guess what I'm saying is, is we value our tupuna, uh, from, you know, three, four, five generations ago or prior to the European contacts. And sometimes we, we fail mm-hmm. to actually look around us. Uh, the living also have stories to tell. Um, they have experiences and, uh, and some, and it, I think it's something that's, uh, the Tahitians or, you know, I, I guess the Oceanic people, uh, our cultures, we, we don't say unless we're asked. We not, you know, we don't put ourselves out there unless somebody comes and you know and asks us if we want to talk or say something. Like my uncles are like that. Um, my some of my aunties too. And uh, so it's our job today. You know, our generation. We're talking the 30, 20, 30 years old, forty years old for me. And because um, we. Yeah, we have the means, and, and we have. I think it's our kuleana today, and don't ever count of on on foreigners to do that job. Yeah, that used to be their jobs back in the days. That 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 time is over. We need to go and see our kupuna and and talk to them in our mother tongue, and uh, yeah, create that space and time to for them to say. You know, some of them might not want to share anything, and that's that's okay. But you have to create that opportunity at least. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I want to do with Arirei Media right now. And now there's a bunch of us who want to to move towards that that area. And um, and I'm kind of sick of of learning or listening or seeing things 
about us, about our culture, but it's always stereotyped or always made for the French viewers. I mean, this is this is cool. That's their job, and we can't we can't always criticize them and 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 be mad. You also, at some point, you have to step up and say, "Hey, we can do this. We can do it better, or we can do it differently," and and then do it. So yeah, there's a lot of things to to be done here. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you gonna make um, any of that avail- available? Is it um, documentary form? Or are you gonna be focusing on uh, you know audio recordings? Right now, we're we're producing with a, a couple friends. We're producing five documentaries, uh, 26 minute stories, uh, and we want to be able to use TV as much as we can, but not just TV. Uh, use uh, YouTube. Use the internet. Uh, we are basically setting up something, um, and I think the best way to do that is also to network with other filmmakers, storytellers throughout our um, Monanui. In order to create a platform, my dream is to get a platform on the internet, just like you know Netflix, maybe something like that, where we could store um, our stories and and reference them and make them available um, for a small price, maybe, but um, make have a platform where people could actually learn from, uh, say, I don't know, say you know if you have documentaries that that were done on. Um, on death, how we perceive death and, and that passing. Uh, that, that could be really interesting to know that, okay, in the Marquise, they have those songs that they sing, especially for that occasion. In the Tuomotu, they do this. And it's a way to not just show who they are right now, but also how they perceive things. And yeah, it's basically to go deeper, deeper into ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, papito yeah. to that. Um, yeah, <laughs> crossing fingers and then yeah, we'll, we'll only to work towards that. And I don't know we have a lot of talents in Tahiti. Um, a few people um, in the film industry, um, journalists. I don't see much, but hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's cool. Actually, um, that brings me kind of to my next question. How do you think? That that these um, this work that you're doing, whether it's like with Fafite or with the videos and um, the storytelling, how do you think that's perceived by local Tahitian populations, old and young, and if they're open to this, and if like that's something that they want to perpetuate themselves as well? Actually, I've got. Um, I used to produce uh, a a show called Yorana Pacific uh, on in, in at Nui Television, mm-hmm. and some of the feedbacks I had was uh, that people kind of uh, for some of them could Yorana Pacific. Basically, the concept was to um, to to go um, and film some events usually it would be cultural events but sometime uh, I would shoot stories um, uh, in Aotearoa especially in Aotearoa and Hawaii but also in Guam uh, we went to Samoa uh, I also went to California with the native people there Seattle and so what was interesting is to see that uh, the people's response 
when they would watch uh, a show on Kalo, for example, they would come and tell me that, oh, we didn't know that in Hawaii they ate so much Kalo because every time we go there and wait, you know, we don't see Hawaiian people. And, and they go, oh, you knew, you know, how much Kalo is important there. And so little things like that makes you wonder that uh, how much polluted we are with our own media, the European media that we have here on TV. And, uh, we need to do something about it because we, I feel anyways that uh, Tahiti um, and New Caledonia are two countries in the Pacific that are pretty much cut from the rest of the, the Pacific. And, um, but it's our duty today to make those bridges because we have connections, because because we have the means, techno- technological means to do that, and to go beyond uh, the what you call that the language barrier. Yeah. I think what it is, the only thing is really English and French. You know, go beyond that. Yeah, and uh, make it available. Uh, and now I know the kids are more than often on on uh, YouTube or uh, social media. Um, not a lot of people still watch the news today on TV anyways because uh, people want to watch things the way uh, like at the, the time they want. Um, you know, and sometimes we don't have uh, time uh, around 6 o'clock when the, the, the news are on. And so... We have to find a way to touch them and to create that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's so exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. Um, and we have so many talented and, and smart people throughout the Pacific. We, we need to do that. Because for so long, we were tagged as a, a, a culture of, of what you call that. Uh, the Polynesian were always part of the myth. We were people of myth, um, mythical creatures, myth, myth, myth. And, and so legends, you know, in, in Tahiti and Moria, when you hear about legends, usually it's um, it's done for kids. Uh, there are you know, stories that are, that are told to the, the kids, but we fail to see that sometimes to, to see that our ancestors and our people today are scientists. And then we were a, a people, we are a people of science. And observing the stars, what do you do? This is science. Um, putting everything together uh, because everything is is uh, connected to to one another. Uh, this is science to me, and we need to talk about it as 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 it is today. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, already it should be valued here in Tahiti, but it has a lot of value, you know, to the world. The way that we see and we operate within the world, you know. Yeah. So people better pay attention. No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so Va is, is one uh, beautiful way to talk about it, but there are so many other other aspects of our, our lives that that needs to be valued as well. Yeah. Well. Um, I think that that's a great way to end. It's very positive about our uh, cultures here in the Pacific and especially in Tahiti. And thank you so much for sharing. Awesome. All your manao with us. No, it was an honor to to be part of this uh, Native Story podcast. Yeah, cool. Any last thoughts or any messages that you want to share with the world at this time? Any social media outlets or contact information? 
Um, not, no, not so much um, social media outlets or. Um, uh, I just want to say that what, whatever you are, whatever you do, uh, just know that you are not alone. Like uh, th- th- there's something bigger than ourselves that's happening throughout the Pacific and beyond, actually, beyond our Mona Nui, uh, and. Um, things are, are changing pretty fast. Uh, colonization hit us pretty badly, but we're still standing after 300 years. We're still here, still speak our languages, um, and, and just uh, never doubt who, who you are, basically. That would be my message. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Well, mahalo nui for sharing your story with us at Native Stories. Um, to all our listeners, if you all want to further connect with us, please do follow us on Facebook. Search Native Stories for daily updates or Native Kaimea or things. Please download our mobile app. Listen to us on all streaming podcasts. Just search Native Stories. And make sure to share us with your Ohana, Ho'opili friends, lovers, or whoever you'd like. Native Stories prides ourselves in being your resource of truth-telling and indigenous knowledge. And the more you share, the more people will know and be informed. Sending plenty aloha. 